0: Alright everyone, welcome to the very first full episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast. As I mentioned at the end of the intro episode, today we are going to be talking about the Democratic Republic of Yemen. You may be saying to yourself, now wait a minute, I've heard of Yemen, it's a country that still exists today, how does this qualify as a forgotten land? And you would be right, Yemen does still exist today, but that Yemen is the Republic of Yemen Uh, The one that we'll be talking about today is the Democratic Republic of Yemen, and there is a bit of a difference, as I hope you will soon see. So let's get a bit of background going. The year was 1990, and as with so many other countries in the world, the modern country of Yemen was divided between North and South, capitalist and socialist. North Yemen was officially known as the Yemen Arab Republic, and South Yemen was officially known as the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen. With a name like that, it shouldn't surprise you to learn that South Yemen was the socialist version of the North. If you can picture Yemen on a map as it is today, and sort of think of it as one big rectangle, North and South Yemen were divided by a diagonal slash from the northeast to the southwest of that rectangle. So we have a country split in two thanks to the effects of the Cold War. Much like East and West Germany or North and South Korea, one is socialist, the other is more capitalist. However, the difference with Yemen is that the two Yemens actually got along. Trade and diplomacy between them had been pretty stable, and things were actually going so good between the two countries that they decided to unite into a single nation on May 22nd, 1990. Keep in mind, this is still a full year before the USSR would fall apart, so communism, even though it wasn't looking great, hadn't officially lost yet. The two countries were just that chill with one another that they decided there's no reason they should remain divided thanks to some centuries-old British and Ottoman imperialism. So the two countries went and did it. On May 22, 1990, the Yemen Arab Republic and the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen unified into the Republic of Yemen. This is the same Republic of Yemen that still exists on the world stage today. Under the new unified administration, the former president of North Yemen by the name of Ali Abdullah Saleh became the president of the Unified Republic of Yemen. Meanwhile, the general secretary of the Yemeni Socialist Party in South Yemen, and therefore de facto leader of South Yemen, Ali Salem al-Baid, became the vice president. And I think this situation right here is where we can see the cracks start to appear. Clearly, the former administration of North Yemen has the upper hand over the Southerners, and this is going to spell disaster in the long run for the newly unified republic. In fact, the cracks ran a lot deeper than just those in office. Culturally speaking, the two countries never really united. In the North, Islamism was very strong. Islamism and Islam are not the same thing. Islamism is the idea that a country ought to be governed by Sharia law, which is an entirely separate issue that I am nowhere near an expert in, so I'm not going to discuss it in a whole lot of detail. But the basic gist is that Sharia law is the religious law laid out in the Quran that all Muslims ought to follow. Meanwhile, in the South, socialism in the form of al-Baid's Yemeni Socialist Party remained very strong. Finally, the biggest divide between the two countries is that the armies of the North and South never officially integrated with one another into a single army for the new Republic of Yemen. It should come as no surprise to anyone that having two separate armies for the two culturally distinct halves of your country is not a recipe for success. Believe it or not, the massive cultural differences between the two halves of the country started to cause tension. You see, in this new republic, Sharia law was a main source of the law code. However, it was not the sole source of the law, and this was deeply upsetting to Islamists in the North. So now the North is mad at the South, but the South seems pretty content with the North for the time being. Unfortunately, on April 27th, 1993, the country's very first parliamentary election occurred. In this election, Al-Baid's Yemeni Socialist Party got just 54 out of 301 parliamentary seats, which was an embarrassing outcome for them. Al-Baid began to expect that Saleh had somehow interfered with the election and made it not free and not fair, so he withdrew to Aden, which was the historic capital of South Yemen. President Saleh, meanwhile, was content to stay in Sana'a, the capital of the Republic of Yemen, and he began actively recruiting more and more Islamists to his cause. In fact, the president's recruitment campaign was so successful that some jihadists started to assassinate Socialist Party leaders. So now we have the president and the vice president of the Republic of Yemen, who are ideologically opposed to one another, occupying two different capitals with violence breaking out between their two sides. So I think it's pretty clear what happens now. That's right, everybody travels north for a little vacation in Jordan and comes to an accord. Soleh and Albaid agreed to come to terms with one another on February 20th, and for a while it looked like these terms were going to be kept. In fact, the north and the south managed to go a full two months after the signing of the accords without getting at each other's throats. Unfortunately, this streak was broken on April 20th, 1994, when the two unintegrated armies erupted into a tank battle with one another in a small city called Amran. Now, everybody loves a good tank battle every now and then, so this shouldn't be a huge deal, save for the fact that Amran is 30 miles northwest of Sana'a, the capital and heart of the Republic of Yemen. This little skirmish between the two armies also was the catalyst for a full-fledged civil war. The two sides wasted little time in using their unintegrated air forces to drop bombs on each other's major cities, and President Saleh officially dismissed Albaid as his vice president. And it actually seemed like dismissing high-up government officials agreed with President Saleh, because when his prime minister, al-Atas, appealed to world powers to intervene and put an end to the civil war, he too was immediately dismissed. Thanks to this little falling out between al and Saleh, al officially joined al-Baid's side in the civil war. Saleh chased his former prime minister south with a massive offensive headed straight for Aden, and al and al-Atas responded by officially seceding from the Republic of Yemen and establishing the Democratic Republic of Yemen. If there's one thing that government officials and civil war militants are good at, it's coming up with original names for their countries. Three days later, on May 24th, the North conquered the southern city of Atak, which was filthy rich with oil. Perhaps it was this massive loss of wealth, or perhaps it was the United Nations calling for a ceasefire. Thank you, United Nations, helpful as always. But the North and South actually did agree to a ceasefire on June 6th. Unfortunately for the Democratic Republic of Yemen, this ceasefire lasted all of six hours. It's unknown who was the first to break the ceasefire, but regardless, when the ceasefire was broken, the North remained in control of Atak and its massive wealth, it was more organized, and it was on the offensive. The Democratic Republic of Yemen fought hard, but it was very much on the losing side, and perhaps this is why it took less than a month for the North to conquer Aden. On July 4th, 1994, Northern troops officially entered the capital ending the Democratic Republic of Yemen and sending all of its higher-ups into exile. All in all, this civil war that lasted less than three months ended up with 7,000 Yemenis dead, including 6,000 soldiers in the south and just over 900 in the north. So this begs the question, for such a massively violent civil war, why was the Democratic Republic of Yemen forgotten? There is the obvious fact that with a birthday of May 21st and a death day of July 4th, the lifespan of the Democratic Republic of Yemen was a mere 44 days, but I think there's more to it than that. I think that largely when we think of civil wars, we are more prone to imagining a war-torn wasteland of anarchy than we are to thinking about a fledgling nation attempting to receive independence from a more formal state. The result of this is that the efforts of the breakaway state to exist are consumed by the chaos of the civil war that surround it. And so, in the end, the Democratic Republic of Yemen is discounted as just a boring diplomatic aspect of the 1994 Yemeni Civil War. So, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to the very first full episode of the History of Forgotten Lands podcast, and I am excited to see you all again next week when we talk about the Islamic Revolutionary State of Afghanistan.